What's up, people, and happy holidays from over the top. Tis the season where matches are gift-wrapped for Premier League fans on a near-daily basis. We'll find out which clubs are looking nice and who's on the naughty list for the season. I'm going to reel myself back in real quick and drop us a reminder that you can get in touch with us on Twitter and Instagram at OverTheTopEPL. I'm Kyle. I've got my man Justin here. How you doing? Happy holidays, Kyle. Tis the season. Ho, ho, ho. Ho, ho, ho. Firings amuck. Uh, what do we got? Do we have coal in stockings? Do we have nice, crisp candy canes? I mean, this is this is the time of the year. And for Premier League fans, you can't ask for a better slate of matches. Literally, the 26th, the 27th, the 28th, the 29th, the 30th, the 1st, the 2nd, the 3rd, and the 4th all have matches. It's crazy. It's crazy. There's definitely some teams with coal up in their stockings so far, a.k.a. Arsenal. Uh, Jose is always up in there because he's a prickly son of a bitch, but he seems happier than ever, though. You got to say not after this week, Kyle. No, not after this week, but Liverpool fans will be happy. Manchester United will be happy. We'll get to them in just a second. What you sipping on, Kyle? Oh, I'm sipping on a Pacifico here. No Seattle local beers. Sorry. Hey, if Seattle beers want to make it onto the pod, you got to pay us. So I'm going to go with the Pacifico right now. <laughs> <laughs> I unsponsored. I am drinking a uh, Mac and Jack African uh, Amber, Kyle. Hey, Seattle beer. Seattle Ever beer. Ever since the pandemic started, they started selling those, as I'm sure you've seen in stores around the area when you're around here. Uh, so they have those black uh, cans that they're selling at all the stores, which is smart that they adapted as no one is going out to bars right now. Yeah, it's true. It's true, especially for that brewery, since they're like the go-to cheap but quality like bar beer with all that good right, stuff that so, and manny's right i was gonna say if you're in the seattle area you got to go with manny's or mac and jacks trust me that's right uh, speaking of staples in the premier league kyle an old staple rivalry was manchester united and leeds united uh also called uh, i haven't heard this before this weekend but the roses rivalry i have to do more research into why it's called that but it's first one in the premier league in what 17 years or so Something like that. The last time Leeds were in the Premier League. And shit, Kyle. Manchester United hammered Leeds United 6-2. to two. And you couldn't ask for a better start. In the first three to four minutes, United were already up 2-0, Kyle. Yeah, it already seemed like game over in about the third or fourth minute. Uh, definitely was the case uh, by the 20th minute when Bruno Fernandes added a third. But the weirdest thing about all this was Scott McTominay had two goals. One in the second one in the third. The first goal was really nice, by the way. But uh, Manchester United, they just started so quickly, and they killed Leeds on the counter. Yeah, and as Ollie said, uh, this could have been 12-4. to 4. He said that after the game. And I, this is the one, one of the few times I actually agree with Ollie. I mean, this it's hard to understand from the scoreline of 6-2, to two, but Melier, the Leeds United keeper, actually played really well and kept them in this game, Kyle, as weird as that sounds. Yeah, no, you're totally right. And Ollie says a lot of things where it makes me go, what? Like, what game are you watching? Are you sure? But uh, that wasn't any exaggeration that it could have been 12-4. to I mean, that's no joke. I mean, this really could have been 12-4. to I mean, Leeds has some other chances, but United just killed them again and again and again. I feel like the most... if. If you were to take a picture of this match, it would have been four United attackers against four Leeds defenders. I don't know where anyone was on the pitch, but Manchester United today, you know, we've been really harsh about them. We've been really harsh on Ollie this season. 
they're really inconsistent within a single game. But they showed energy this game. Uh, they really went for this game by the balls. And, uh, you know, you you got to give them credit. I mean, yeah, they're entertaining. And they it's the game plan to beat Leeds United. As we said in even the preseason, if you're going to counter against them, if you have fast players that are clinical, I mean, United were clinical today, obviously, but they also generated 24 shots United and 13 on target with an XG of 3.8 and Leeds United on their own had 1.9. So, I mean, it's, it was goals galore. I mean, Leeds United missed some glaring chances as well. Bamford right in front of goal. They had a couple that ricocheted off too. So they definitely had their opportunities, but man, what a performance from United. And if we look here at the table, Kyle, all of a sudden, Manchester United are in third position with a game in hand. And so if you look at like points per game, they're actually second right behind Liverpool. So, I mean, as much malign as been much shit as we've given United this season, what the hell? They're in third, Kyle. Yeah, it's just a bizarre, bizarre season. I mean, we've seen teams go from like first to sixth in four days and United go from, what is it, eighth to third in the same amount of time uh just goes to show just how condensed the table is at this point in the season and even though it's early we're about 13 weeks into the season um actually this is week 14 i believe Mm -hmm. i don't know there's so many match weeks i'm like starting to lose track of the shit but um (laughs) it's just so condensed i mean i think man city has been pretty poor all season is only eight points off the top so it's crazy. And 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 Arsenal uh they seem way down there, but I think they're only about 12 or to 15 off the top 4, which is a lot this at this time of the season. But so I'll tell you United is, with a game in hand, United with a game in hand is only 5 points behind Liverpool. Uh so that could be yeah. down to 2. And Arsenal yeah. is a whopping 17 points behind. Yeah. Yeah, about just four crazy points above the relegation zone. Arsenal. Crazy, crazy season. Crazy game. I mean, made all the more crazy with McTominay's two early goals. Uh, the guy had a hell of a game. He also had a really nice assist in this one. Um, and it makes me wonder, you know, should we be giving Ollie a lot more credit, at least for this game? Should we give him credit for the performance, for the tactics he employed? I mean, United were perfectly set up to beat Leeds on this one. Absolutely. I think you have to. I mean, as much as... Uh... As fun as it is to use him as a pinata, I think we have to give him a little credit, Kyle. I mean, they just went and like, hey, Leeds, if you want to play like this, we're just going to grab you by the horns and go for it. And I don't think you can match the firepower that we have. And he's right. I mean, some teams try to counter, like, you know, more counterattack Leeds than just go for it. And I guess Manchester United did counter, but it was an aggressive direct ball strategy from United. And it worked out. I mean, like you said, it was... The midfield gap was as wide as like when Moses parted the Red Sea. I mean, like Christ, there was offense and defense and nothing else. And so (laughs) the back and forth nature of this game was crazy. But I mean, Slabhead defended well enough. They distributed the ball uh, down to Rashford, to Martial, and uh, United made them pay for it. You know, we were talking about this in our preseason predictions about Leeds United. We both predicted... You know, we agreed on this one that Leeds United would show some really good stuff, would surprise some teams, would probably beat one or two of the big dogs. But we also predicted that they would get absolutely smacked some games. And this was definitely one of those. And it'll probably happen at least once or twice 
um, again this season. Right. I mean, with Bielsa's rigidity, I, I mean, they don't change their style for anyone. And no. so if you don't do that and you don't adapt, some teams will figure you out or play you well. And that was one of those matches. Yeah, couldn't agree more. So, um, but, you know, talking about another manager who refuses to change what he's doing, Mikel Arteta over at Arsenal. Oof. Talking about the naughty list, man. Arsenal, they are not looking good this year. They went down to Everton 2-1 to one, um, in a game that Arteta said that we'll get to his, his stats and what he said after the game later. But another game where um, Arsenal apparently dominated, although you and I didn't see it. Everton deserved winners on this one. Yeah, you know, I'm going to start with the positive because when you look at the table, I mean, a fourth versus a 15th place team, who do you expect to win? The fourth place team. So there we go. True. True. And so with Everton, I mean, it's kind of similar to the Spurs game, not quite as drastic where Spurs absolutely parked five huge, you know, trailer park RV buses right in front of the goal encountered. Uh, Everton did a similar strategy where they, you know, they countered. And that seems to work against Arsenal. And Arsenal can't break teams down and figure out how to be clinical and score goals. And when you can't score, as we've seen with City this year, as though not as major as Arsenal, uh, you you don't win games. And Arsenal, with 12 goals on the season, like the fourth worst offense in the Premier League, you're going to be down near the bottom. And so, you know, I I can hear bullshit stats from Arteta or whatever it is, but Everton came out with the exact strategy to beat Arsenal, and that's credit from an experienced manager in Ancelotti. He knows how to set up his team. They had a rough stretch at Everton. They started really well. They, you know, maybe got figured out a little bit. Ancelotti yeah. adjusted his tactics, uh, playing Richarlison, having him back obviously helps because without him, that's when they were having that rough um, schneid. So they have him back. They have a Wobi playing decent. Obviously DCL is always dangerous in the top of the box. So when they when they play well and they find a decent defensive form, Kyle, then they're formidable as we see as they're up to fourth place. Yeah, that's right. And I got to say, I appreciate you reeling, reeling me in on that one and going with the positives first. And so I'm going to stick to that real quick because we got to give to Everton credit on this one. I mean, you can look at the stats and Everton had uh, less of the less possession. I believe they also had let fewer shots, but it was pretty close. But Everton in this game essentially scored their goals, and then let Arsenal have the ball and said, all right, come on, come and attack us. Let's see what you have. And Arsenal just is incapable of that. They look so blunt in attack. They have no creativity, which I've never seen in an Arsenal game, uh, team. And, uh, you know, I just feel like a broken record every single week talking about Arsenal and their lack of creativity. So um, although Arsenal dominated some of the stats, even in XG, it felt like watching the game that Everton bossed the flow of the game. and. Um, really let Arsenal have the ball, and it was a conscious decision, and Arsenal just couldn't do much with it. And you got to say, this bodes well for Everton because they're really starting to find some defensive form, and that's what really concerned uh, me uh, going into the season. I mean, we just got to look at Arsenal's last four, five in the Premier League, right? Um, Six, seven, shoot, they're winless in seven in the Premier League, I think, if I'm counting right. Uh, so they lost to Aston Villa, they drew against Leeds, they lost to Wolves, they lost to Tottenham, they lost to Burnley, they drew Southampton, lucky, and they lost against Everton. I mean, brutal form for Arsenal. 
I think they've got. I mean, I think they've got Chelsea up next in the league too. So doesn't get any easier. uh, They have City in the EFL, and they do have Chelsea next weekend on Boxing Day. Um, Brutal. Yeah, I mean, what to say? I mean, just looking at the setup, they so transitioning to Arsenal officially now. So no Aubameyang in this game. Slight knock. So they went with Enketia, Nicolas Pepe on the right, Willian on the left. Danny Ceballos and uh, El Neni in the center, Kyle, and then the Yusaka and uh, Cedric as wingbacks. But, right. man, it's – or not Cedric, I'm sorry, Maitland-Niles. But right, right, right. It's, uh, it's brutal from Arsenal. I mean, they just generated nothing of substance. I mean, they had some shots, but they announced it to XG, but nothing that you felt were too threatening. I mean, obviously the penalty – is a big source of Arsenal's XG. And so when you take that out, not much. I think Pepe, under so underwhelming this season, I mean, it's looking more and more like a terrible buy for them. And yeah. when, especially when they needed defenders too. And they went out and bought Pepe. We, we ridiculed that signing since mm-hmm. its beginning. And not to criticize the player, but more of Arsenal's strategy. And Ketia, I don't know what... I don't feel like he's doing it. Obviously, you have Alexandre Lacazette, who's generated the most XG for the team. Arteta refuses to start him meaningfully for whatever reason. Aubameyang struggling. Willian's looked like a shell of himself. Ceballos is not good enough for a big six team. I mean, Rob Holding is your captain. Do I need to keep going? I was going to say, you know, you're talking about the starting lineup of the squad and the most telling thing to me about the downfall of Arsenal and mainly the quality in this Arsenal side is Rob holding Arsenal captain and you know it's easy to be harsh on him with the own goal um but he just he never is convincing I mean and he's been one of the players that's been performing at a higher level sort of compared to where his actual talent level is and even then i mean he's not hiding but still rob holding as your captain for a club like arsenal uh it's not good enough and they look and feel like a 15th place team i mean the table often doesn't lie and they really truly deserve to be down there uh real quick we were talking before the uh show about some of arsenal some of Mikel arteta's quotes after the game and i wanted to hand this one over to you <laughs> Yeah, Kyle. So he had something very interesting to say. And so he started it with his let the last year's matchup against Everton and how they came back from a losing position and saying they had a 35% chance of winning. And then he goes on to say, Arsenal have been really unlucky this season. And most recently in the last few games where they had like a 9% chance of losing against Everton, a 3% chance of losing against Burnley, and a 7% chance of losing against Spurs, all of losses that actually happen. And I want to know where they're getting these stats. Is it from like the Trump campaign? I don't understand where these <laughs> numbers are coming from, uh, but 7% chance of losing against Spurs, like even Liverpool's chances of losing against Spurs would be higher. I don't, I don't understand what's going on there. Bizarre. It's absolutely bizarre. I don't know where he's getting these numbers from, maybe from Sidney Powell or something like that. But anyway, I don't know. Those are really confusing. But um, moving on to a game and a result that was a little less confusing. Spurs nil at home to your boys, your adopted boys, Leicester City, mm. uh, who's put two past Tottenham Hotspur. 
Uh, a really deserved win on the day. Um, you know, Lester were good in this game. Uh, I've, it seemed like Brendan Rodgers set up this team in a way that reminds me a lot of the way Mourinho sets up his teams. Uh, a little more progressive, better passing. But um, Rodgers, after they scored, y- you know, Lester basically said, come on, bring it. And they hit him on the counter. And um, it was kind of a tactical master class uh, from uh, Brendan Rodgers. Totally deserved win, Kyle. I mean, you can you complain you can complain about the own goal and whatever, but Lester got a goal called offside, which I oh, don't know, man. Crazy. I don't know, like, like how in the world? Like maybe by the slightest toenail, but again, you can't see when the ball is passed. So it blows my mind. You can make a call that's qu- that close, but yeah, I mean, Tottenham definitely had their share of chances in the first half. Uh, when the when the game was still for the taking, I mean Harry Kane had a header inside the box, I believe, and a couple more shots didn't take advantage. Jamie Vardy, obviously, with the PK, really stupid foul. Oh uh, my god! Oh my must, god! You must be upset about that, right? Yeah, I mean, I I wanted to talk a little bit about Lesser first before okay. I unleash well, the Okay, I'll keep going. Okay, I'll right, keep yeah. going. Do your thing. Do your uh, thing. I keep going. Really stupid foul. Obviously, Vardy steps up converts because that's what he does and then Leicester way more dangerous in the second half but they parked the bus a similar a la Tottenham uh strategy but we haven't seen Spurs go down uh that often early uh early as in the first half in many games because they've been so good and so consistent this season for the most part and for them to go and chase a game against a team that lets them have possession is a struggle for Spurs we've seen that as a weakness and they, probably, they obviously brought on Bale at halftime, which is good, because if they didn't, I'd be wondering why the hell is he on the team. Uh, so they brought in Bale to try and break down that defense. I don't think he really had an impact on the game, to be honest with no. you. I thought Sun was kind of invisible this game. And so a rare game for him that he doesn't play well, but I just was wondering where he was. And when he doesn't have that space to run behind the defense because the defense is compact, I wonder what his impact really is. And it's an off game for him. I'm not going to make any glaring decisions, but I'm curious to see how teams line up in the future um, from seeing this Leicester game plan. So, yeah, um, yeah. But Leicester deserved. I mean, they played him off the park. They had way da- more dangerous chances. James Madison was really good this game, although he doesn't show up a lot on this on the stat sheet. I thought he was really in dangerous areas, and the midfield didn't really pick him up often. So, credit to him and Harvey Barnes and. Uh, right. Jamie Vardy getting in behind. I mean, Leicester, I mean, as frustratingly inconsistent as they are, they're tied for the most wins with Liverpool. So, I mean, they're forced to be reckoned with. Uh, I mean, they have that with Liverpool. They're in second place. I mean, yes, they've lost five games this season, but zero draws. So uh, you could argue, you know, I, I think a lot of managers would argue if you make the games that should be losses into draws, that that's progress. But uh, you know, Leicester, they really uh, stick with their game plan. And, you know, it, it's really hot or cold for them, but you can't argue with where they're at in the table. And, um, you know, it's debatable if they deserve it or not based on their play. But uh, on the day and when they, in performances like when they smack Manchester United, they're definitely, definitely worth, um, you know, being in that position. Uh, you mentioned a lot of the attacking players that, for Leicester, who uh, bossed it in this game. I wanted to do a quick shout-out to Wilfred Ndidi, who struggled with an injury for a long time, uh, recently has come back in the last two or three matches, and he just mopped up the center of the pitch like a janitor this game. I mean, he was everywhere. 
Absolutely. And uh, on that point, James Justin, Kyle, he was yeah. everywhere and running up and down left or right. It doesn't matter. And what a player he's turning into be. And with Leicester starting to get these players back, I mean, they've been mostly healthy, but now they're starting to get fully healthy. So Yanchu hopefully is back soon. Ricardo Pereira is getting fully fit. James Justin, Timothy Castagne is finally coming back now. Uh, Wilfred and Didi, obviously. So with these players, I mean, Leicester can be really dangerous and maybe challenge for the top four again this season. I mean, hell, they're in second. Well, why not? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's beyond them to say they're title challengers because of their inconsistencies, but they 100% can challenge for top four, 100%. And I expect uh, the young Turkish guy to maybe make an impact at some point, Cengiz mm-hmm. Under. I mean, they've got some good players. Uh, Iannaccio has never really worked out yet, but he, oh, he's still young. It always could, you know, so uh, Lesser have a really, really good squad. And uh, moving on to Spurs real quick. Within four days, they've gone from first place to sixth place. Uh, it seems all doom and gloom around the, um, I was going to say White Hart Lane, but that's not the name of the stadium anymore. Um, but still, um, it's not the end of the world for Spurs. There are some positives. They can take some uh, heart to the fact that, um, you know, all the goals they've conceded in the last maybe five games or so has been, uh, you know, on them. They've been mistakes or poor defending rather than getting totally cut open by an attack. But still, in this game, they made a lot of mistakes. The Alderweireld own goal, but man, you mentioned Serge Aurier. <laughs> the penalty he gave up for Vardy's penalty goal was ridiculous i mean he was like a linebacker trying to hit a wide receiver before he even put his feet on the ground it was it was crazy crazy not only ridiculous kyle but totally unnecessary i mean he was dribbling outside of he was like mo he was going outside the box and he was in the very corner and so talk about like the least threatening position in the box you could possibly be in yeah he wasn't even threatening the goal whatsoever i think the guy who he fouled was actually wesley fofana who's a center back so it's not like he's really hurting you in that position so anyway that was crazy but nonetheless when you go down like that you really have to make more from your attacks you have to string together some nice uh passing moves and they were just toothless in attack you said son and kane had had um pretty off days and that's definitely true but where i thought this uh spurs were really hurt in this game is in domble hauled off at halftime and Jose moved uh, Lo Celso into that attacking center mid position. Lo Celso picks up an injury within five minutes of the second half. So without those two, it just seems like there's no creativity in this team, and they're going to struggle with without at least one of those guys in their in the in the squad. Absolutely, Kyle. I think it's time for rapid fire. All right. All right, Kyle, Liverpool scored a touchdown against Crystal Palace, beating them 7-0. to nil. Uh, An absolute beatdown drubbing of a performance. It's like Liverpool playing a cha- like League 2 side. Boy, Liverpool looking scary and hitting their stride. Oh, man, they look scary. I mean, I was expecting an absolutely awful performance from Palace. And uh, let's not get it twisted. They were not good today. But some of these goals Liverpool scored, though. I mean, you can't take credit away from that. They were ridiculous. I mean, Salah had a ridiculous goal. I think Firmino had a nice chip at some point. Mm. 
Um, man, Minamino getting, I think, what I think is his first goal in the league. So good for them. They didn't even start Mohamed Salah, and they didn't need him. He came off the bench and scored two goals anyway, though. Yeah, he's still, what, tied for leading scorer in the league so far? I think uh, he's on 13 now. I and... think he's the leading scorer in the league, yeah. Yeah, he's on 13, Vardy on 12, 11. Son on 11, something like that. Yeah, a Vardy DCL. and Son on 11, and DCL on 11, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so you got to say, and, um, you know, we mentioned all these different goal scorers. I mentioned Firmino's chip a little bit earlier, but Bobby Firmino, you know, there have been a lot of questions with Jota coming in, what should... Firmino start? Should he not? You know, is he really that good of a striker? Hey, he's hitting form at the right time. He's finally scoring goals on top of all the good link-up play that he brings to the team. I mean, Klopp, I mean, just going to him for a second, I mean, he's tinkering with the lineup slightly. I mean, with this holiday season, he kind of moaned and complained about the subs rule and everything in the Premier League, but it doesn't matter. I mean, you go out and beat a hapless, sad, whatever, insert sad adjective, synonym, uh, Crystal Palace and absolutely drub them. And on a Crystal Palace side, I mean, there's really nothing to say. They were so ass. It's not even yeah. worth like wasting my breath on them, to be honest. Yeah. Hey, hey, I did really want to mention really quick. You mentioned Klopp complaining about the subs. Did you notice against Tottenham, he made a grand total of zero substitutes after bitching about it for multiple months? Yee. Don't eat them. Don't eat them. Moving on to our next game of the weekend, Kyle Champ, a.k.a. Southampton, losing 1-0 on the South Coast to Manchester City. Uh, Sterling getting on the score sheet. Uh, you know, Manchester City obviously not resounding and still struggling to score goals, but they got the job done, Kyle. Yes, they did. You said Sterling, but I thought it was the rapper Coolio real quick because with his <laughs> new hairdo, he's looking like Coolio. Which, hey, you know, I haven't seen that do in like 15 years, so... <laughs> That's I don't know what I'm talking about anymore. But uh, yeah, another KDB assist. This goal looked like a carbon copy of the one Manchester City scored last weekend. I think it was uh, Gunduan um, sort of going mm-hmm. out right and then putting the, you know, hitting a grass cutter uh, kind of pass on a plate for a player. So um, yes, City are struggling to score goals. Yes, City are struggling to uh, create chances and finish those chances that they do actually create. But you got to say, Manchester City are showing a defensive solidity that um, I don't think has ever been seen from a Pep Guardiola team, or at least a Pep Man City team yet. So although they're struggling to score goals, that bodes really well for them moving forward. Best defense in the league so far, Kyle. Pep, best defense, Manchester City? What? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot to say on the offense, but the defense, I mean... Do you credit Ruben Diaz? Is it just because they've they're just passing the ball more? There are probably a multiple factors that go into that, but and you have to credit their defense for their performance. So good on them, Southampton. I think the thing to watch there, Ings getting injured, um, so we have to watch that. It is a hamstring issue, so timeline unknown. He looks pretty doubtful for Boxing Day with these quick matches upcoming, and hamstrings are fickle. So I'd be surprised if he plays, but doesn't look too serious. So we'll see. Uh, and, you know, no major takeaways. I mean, Southampton running against a good team. I don't think Southampton are probably not a top four competitor, but on a, you know, if they keep a good run of form, maybe uh, Europa League. But I mean, yeah, they're just going to be a nice top 10 table team for sure. Yeah, couldn't agree more. I mean, they're they're looking nice. I don't think I, I'd have to agree with you on that one, but they could challenge for a seventh or eighth place or something like that. Uh, right. Real quick before we move on to the next match. 
Manchester City are only eight points off top, and they haven't even played well a single time this season yet. So um, I'm thinking Pep is setting them up for once to be a little more defensive as Aguero is out. January window is coming up. Maybe they look at a striker. I don't know, man. I, there's some left in the season for Manchester City. But um, moving on <laughs> next. Sorry, I'm laughing into this intro with uh, Newcastle 1, Fulham 1, because in this game, Matt Ritchie from Newcastle scored a golazo uh, with his face. <laughs> Kyle, it was, it, was. Against, it was in the wrong goal, though, which is the fun, most funny part. Uh, man, uh, this is one of the most bizarre own goals I've ever seen. I feel like, bad I, for the guy. I really do. I mean, it, it, like, I don't think there's anything he could have done about it, but... Man. I don't know. The way he twitched his head, I'm like, why did you do that? Like, even if he just let it bounce off it, it wouldn't have gone into the goal. So I, I don't know. I don't yeah. know. It yeah. might or might not be up on our Instagram very shortly. But that was, it was, it was brutal. Uh, you know, VAR didn't help either. Uh, and the red card for Newcastle's penalty goal. But Fulham, Kyle, just really quickly, one loss in the last five. Are they yeah. are they starting to play a little bit better and adjust to the Premier League? Yeah, it's it's interesting because they do only have one loss in five against Man City where they got totally boat raced in that match. But uh, hey, that doesn't look too bad. But within those five matches, they've also drawn three times. So, <laughs> yes, But true. at the same time, you know, they weren't even getting draws at the beginning of the season. So um, I think Fulham under Scott Parker has shown a little more life than um, you or I ever expected. Right. I mean, Lookman's looking decent. They have Loftus-Cheek off the bench. They have Sausage. So, you know, they have players that on their day can be dangerous. It's going to be hard uh, to stay up for them. I mean, Brighton, Arsenal, Burnley are all down there. So we'll see what happens. But, you know, they're going to be in thick in the relegation fight all season, Kyle. Moving on to the next game, Brighton 1, Sheffield 1. Second point for Sheffield United, doubling their total on the season to two points. Brutal, though. I mean, Brighton, you look at all the stats. They dominated XG. They like 2.6 to 0.6. They had way more shots, etc. But, you know, I'm sick of saying this about Brighton. At, At some point, you need to score, just like Arsenal. And they can't do it. And so as sexy as they look is like dominant and like the expected point stats and everything like if you look at the stats and their xg on the entire season it says that they should have scored 20 goals allowed 14 and been up six goal differential on the season instead it's negative six and so i mean that just comes down to finishing and the exact um and build up play essentially and is it Graham Potter, Kyle? Is it their strikers? What's going on? Because Brighton statistically should be way better than 17th place. Man, I I think it's their strikers, which is odd because last season, uh, Neil Maupai was looking really promising. You know, he had some great games, uh, showed some good finishing, but also some general uh, good link-up play. I've always had doubts over Danny Welbeck's ability and ability to score goals. I'm not sure how much of a goal scorer he is, but uh, between the two of them, they're just... It, Facts are facts, and they're not scoring a lot of goals, and they are not finishing the chances they create, and they always create a lot of chances. So, uh, you know, we were we were high on Brighton in the beginning of the season, but I'm ready to throw them in the dumps again if they keep doing this. They're pissing me off. Like I I finally believed in them, and then they do this shit. Like what are we doing? Yeah, uh, real quick on we talked about XG and stats. You know, this whole 
covering this whole entire game has to do with not finishing chances. Brighton and Sheffield are the two teams with the most negative expected goals to goals ratio. So that means they are the least clinical teams uh, in the Premier League. Jesus. Yeah, I mean, Sheffield, I mean, they've scored how many goals? Eight all season, tied for the lowest. Oof. Not going min- mi- to win many games doing that. And Sheffield, I mean, even though they got a result this game, it's, it's bad. It's really bad for them. And that the goal they gave up, too, against Brighton in this game was like laughable defense. I mean, I think one of their players goes up for a header and it goes off his shoulder or his face and just is on a platter for Welbeck to finish at the very end of the game, too. So it's just, God, that's got to be killer for Chris Wilder. Moving on, Barcode FC, a.k.a. West Brom, losing 3-0 to Aston Villa, and it was not close at all. Uh, Aston Villa just completely dominating this game. Standout, obviously. Grealish always does well. Flops a lot, of, flops a lot, but fouled a lot as well. But Bertrand Traore out there on the right hasn't got a ton of starts this season, Kyle, but starting to make an impact. Starting to find his feet, Aston Villa. I mean, they bought him for $17 million from Lyon. You know, he's a good player, former Chelsea uh, youth product. He loves to do the Aryan Robin and cut in uh, from the right on his left foot. Um, and you know it's happening, but you still can't stop it. But uh, in this game, he had a great assist for El Ghazi's first goal. But Bertrand Traore's goal, I think it was the second one in this game, is such an underrated goal this week. I mean, he just total... Total finesse R2 shot from distance, but he like R2 calmly, shot. calmly passed it into the uh, opposite bottom left corner. So beautiful goal. Uh, I think that is probably up there with one of the best of the weekend. Uh, couldn't agree more about Grealish. He's a great player, but man, the the penalty that he drew for the third goal was... <laughs> Man, I, I hate that the game is going in this direction where that is a foul. Not even a foul, but a penalty. It's just, Jesus. I noticed Greel- Jack Grealish is always t- trending on Twitter, and that's because he divides opinion with, yes, he's a great player, but I can see why people hate him with all these flops that he's doing. But not to take away from his abilities, the guy deserves to be on a big team, but man. West man, Brom, West Kyle. Sal- Sam Allardyce. I mean, you fire... Slavon Bilic for this. I mean, I know he hasn't had much time to make an impact, but when you make a shot, normally, I mean, a shot is around 0.1, 0.2 XG, normally, depending on where the shot is. The entire game, they had 0.03 expected goals, Kyle. That is, like, all-time atrocious. Yeah, I mean, all-time atrocious you know, with the jerseys, all-time atrocious with the manager's style of play. People bitch about Jose, but Sam Allardyce is literally the definition of parking the bus. I mean, these two teams, ugly jerseys, ugly club, uh, that's unfair, ugly jerseys, ugly style of play with the manager. It's a match made in heaven. I mean, the red card didn't help in this game, but by God, my God, dude, I mean, what are we doing? They had one shot the entire game. Like... I don't think I've ever seen 0.03 XG. Let's just say that. Man. Moving on real quickly. Uh, Burnley beat Wolves 2-1 to one this game, Kyle. And Burnley, uh, they're, they're trying to dig their way out of the ditch. They're, I mean, they're, they yeah. got a result against Arsenal. They got a result against Wolves today. You can't say they played particularly well, but hey, you know, uh, they've, they've got a result in their last four games, Kyle. 
Burnley gonna Burnley. I mean, Barnes and Wood had the two most Burnley goals I've ever seen in my <laughs> life. I mean, you just chuck it up into the air and let dudes crack some skulls and hopefully it goes into the back of the net. But hey, it happened. It worked on this on this occasion. Um, and you got to say two wins on the trot against Wolves and Arsenal. That is not bad. I think any team would be happy with that. Uh, Wolves in this game, they looked really blunt in attack without Raul. I don't think they really have a second striker. Yes, Fabio Silva's playing up there, but he doesn't look like a striker to me. He looks like an attacker. Looks like a promising young player for sure, but they need to dip into the January transfer market to get a striker. Yeah, and I'm not worried by about Wolves by any means. And they haven't played well all season, but you know, just not just that not that poacher up there that they need because with with yeah. uh, Podence and Neto, that's not their natural role. But if they support the striker, that's where Wolves are really dangerous. And yeah, also well, missing mean, an option, Adama Traore. But, you know. Yeah, I mean, Wolves, what, we're, what I think you and I are both getting at is this is a good team that should be challenging for European places. And without a striker, you know, I think they'll just miss out on that. But um, yeah. with a striker, they should be in the conversation. And then lastly, today, uh, Chelsea beat West Ham 3-0. West Ham actually had some opportunities in this game, especially to get back in it in the beginning of the second half. Couldn't convert. Uh, They had an offensive foul called on them, I think on Bowen. That was absolutely ridiculous. Thiago Silva tripping against on his own feet that called back, which is really unfortunate for them. But at the end of the day, Chelsea were the better team, more clinical, and some of their attackers looking really good. Yeah, they deserve this one. And this is even, they they deserve this even with Timo Werner. I mean, to me, he looks like he's struggling. Today, he did get an assist, and he continues to be involved in uh, goals, whether through scoring himself or with assists. But he just looks like he's a little off the pace, kind of like his German compatriot, uh, uh, Kai Havertz. Uh, but Tammy Abraham with two late goals in this one, uh, one of which involved a great great driving dribbling play from christian pulisic captain america is back for the third goal so um you know a lot of positives to take out of this from chelsea and frank lampard because west ham they're they've showed it time and again they're for real this year they're they're for club. real and i'm they're not good you know team. they they lost three nil but they 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 were competitive in this game they absolutely were i mean two of the chelsea goals were laid on and pulisic as you mentioned i mean this is i mean playing off the right again but this is the most driving runs I've seen from him in a while. I mean, not only on that third goal, but he had a few of them that were really dangerous. And so that was really encouraging to see from a Chelsea perspective. So if they have those healthy players and can rotate in and out, I think they're going to be looking good for top four places. Agreed. Agreed. They they should really be locking in that that uh, one of those Champions League spots. I, I, I do question if they can challenge for the title. I think it's a little early in their evolution for that but they should be a champions league club all right kyle we're gonna get into our next segment and it's a little different sometimes we do the ramen meter which we featured last week sometimes we'll do some transfers we'll do some season reviews we'll do buy or sell we'll do role play etc but it's the holiday season and how can we ignore that so we are going to do if clubs were christmas movies kyle how about that how, how about that? All right, Kyle, I'm going to start. And I didn't mention this during our Arsenal segment, but during this episode, I am wearing Arsenal's third jersey today while we are recording this. And we are going to track the stats of before Justin wore the Arsenal jersey and post 
Justin wear, wearing the Arsenal jersey because I think I can single-handedly turn their fortunes around. I just and I also real quick wanted to mention the shock on my face when we both hopped on here and saw Justin wearing a fucking Gooners jersey. At, oh, sorry, put my need to take my Spurs hat off here. Hey, the jersey looks pretty nice. Uh, the third jersey is pretty fresh and is looking a little different. But how can you do this to me, man? Yeah, it looked like a fresh marble countertop, baby. Look at this. Um, but. Arsenal, if we were to put them as a Christmas movie and to think of this season, it has not gone well. It is a big six club, so you have to think classic in nature, but also horrifying. Uh, how can they not be Nightmare Before Christmas, Kyle? I mean, a true classic and staple in people's rotations, but absolutely, absolute horror show. Moving on to another club, uh, thinking about Manchester United here. Who is Manchester United? It's kind of, I was thinking maybe classic movie, I get this and that, all these good reasons, and I can't get past the fact that Ollie looks like an elf. So we're <laughs> going to go elf. Keep it simple, keep it based with my second grade education here. Um, Manchester United under the wood elf that is Ollie Gunnar Solskjaer. Easy. That might be my favorite one this whole segment. <laughs> uh, moving on to another club, uh, Newcomer in Leeds United, Kyle. Uh, you know, they're very hot. They just go for it. You know what they are. Big action-packed. And there's some debate whether this is a Christmas movie, but die hard, Kyle. I mean, how is Marcelo, Biel- or Marcelo Bielsa coming into the Premier League? Uh, they live and die by that pressing style. And, you know, they go in guns a-blazing. So it has to be die hard for me. I mean, literally, when Leeds lose, they lose hard. They, they just get absolutely smacked. So I uh, can't argue with that one. The next one, I just had to get this one. I, we didn't plan it this way, but talking about my Tottenham Hotspurs, this was tricky. Um, I wanted to go in a Hanukkah direction for this one, with Spurs being the traditional Jewish club uh, <laughs> from North London, which I think is cool. I was thinking Eight Crazy Nights, but I can't get past the fact. Uh, I, I can't get past the scene in Christmas Vacation where they roll up in the van and park their van in front of the house and all hell breaks loose. And it just reminds me of Jose Mourinho driving up with his bus and parking his bus right outside the Griswold. So, Oh, right in front of the house. And they're staying there for a month. They're not moving that RV anytime soon. It's not leaving. It's not leaving, baby. <laughs> Moving <laughs> on to the great Manchester City, Kyle. You know, worked their way, weaseled their way into the top six club with some money, and you think about how grand, what great players they have in the last decade, think of all the trophies they've won, and et cetera. And despite all that, you look around the stadium, Kyle, and there's nobody there. And so how can it not be home alone, Kyle? <laughs> all these players in the stands, or all these players on the field, they look around, even yes. without COVID, nobody there to cheer them on. Empty hod, home alone, easy. I Like, that is the easiest pick of the entire bunch um i can't i can't argue with that one um moving on to our beloved west brom i think you and i can agree that west brom are our favorite club in the premier league right now and sam allardyce is my favorite manager um i was just thinking about specifically sam allardyce on this one and i was like is he really grinch is he really stooge no i think that's a little unfair but I think Bad Santa is not a bad shout. <laughs> Coming to I mean, ruin everyone's Christmas. 
in the worst of possible ways. I mean, bad Santa, you have terrible manager, terrible team, terrible jerseys, terrible movie. I mean, all of it together and just this crap load of dumpster fire nonsense makes West Brom a perfect fit for this movie. Enough bad taste to make it make it a perfect fit. Moving on to Leicester City, Kyle, kind of a big seven, if you will, wink, wink. Uh, but becoming a classic team, they had a most magical season in 2015 and 16 with winning the title. Uh, we haven't mentioned A Christmas Story, Kyle, and what a classic movie that is. I mean, makes its way onto most people's playlists around the holiday season. Shown 24 hours, I think, on TBS or something like that, where they play the movie back and forth. But the theme of this movie, Kyle, is, you know, a a team that's bullied, like Leicester City, bullied in the championship for a long time, finally gets what they want in the Red Rifle, uh, Kyle. They finally get that title, or they finally get that Champions League place, like last season. And then they shoot their fucking eye out, Kyle. And that's exactly what they did last season, where they got into Champions League places. There's no possible way they could mess that up. And they finish in fifth place. So, Leicester City, Christmas Story. Perfect. Beautiful, beautiful. Uh, Last but not least, Chelsea Football Club. Man, what... I was thinking, what movie captures the magic, the material magic of Chelsea Football Club? Uh, For us as Americans, maybe we don't know the area of London as well, but uh, definitely has me thinking the neighborhoods of Westminster... Uh, Chelsea, you know, West, right off the River Thames, uh, West London. It's very posh out there. Um, and I was thinking, man, what Christmas movie captures that soul? And I realized there aren't any Christmas movies that capture it better than all those car commercials that we're just being blasted with this holiday season. Uh, where you can imagine, you can see the family with the ten million dollar home. And guess what, honey? Guess what I got for us? Two new $100,000 cars just for us. And to me, that reminds me a lot of Chelsea Football Club. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah, I mean, completely unrealistic. A treasure treasure chest of money. I mean, who can just drive home and be like, oh, I got you two new cars. Look at this with a bow on top. Like, I don't know. Reasonable people don't do that. But in Chelsea, they do probably. I mean, reasonable people know. Russian oligarchs? Yes. <laughs> That's it for us, Kyle. That is it. We, You might know we left out Liverpool during that segment. We had a tough time coming up with them. 30 years of misery. You know, joyous in the beginning and most recently with Champions League and Premier League. We thought about it. It's a wonderful life. Doesn't quite fit. So we'll keep thinking of one and we'll let you know what we come up with that. But That's it. Yeah. I mean... I mean, for now, that'll just have to work as a temporary answer. I mean, it kind of works, but I don't think Liverpool were ever at a point where they're willing to jump off the bridge and, and, you know, needed a guardian angel. So it's close enough, though. All right, Kyle. Well, that's it. I hope you have a great holiday. I know we're going to be talking a lot after Christmas holiday because we got Boxing Day matches. We have, as I mentioned earlier in the pod, we have a match almost seemingly every day until January 4th. I'm out of breath even thinking about it. So we're going to be talking a lot. Yeah, and then everyone's favorite Carabaos uh, sort of squished in between. God, those games are tomorrow and Wednesday. Jeez, but a whole lot yeah, of football. Yeah, Tottenham plays Stoke City, I believe, right? The glorious Stoke City. Can they do it? 
on a cold, a windy night up in Stoke. We shall see. Well, for Kyle, I am Justin. Have a great holiday. Whatever you celebrate, we will be back after Boxing Day to recap all of the latest matchups in Match Week 15. See you then. Oh, ho, ho.